Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Filler with Joe Miller. We got a lot to talk about today. The All-Star Game is probably going to happen despite the risks. We'll talk about that situation as well as our potential starter picks for the game. We had two primetime TNT games on last night. We'll discuss those. And lastly, as we cross the quarter mark of the season, we're going to discuss the top three teams in each conference and which team we think is going to be the biggest threat going into the postseason. Joining me today is Ryan Walterman to help me break down all of this NBA news. Ryan, welcome to the program. Thank you, man. I'm uh, happy to be here. So what show do you host on KCOU? We, uh, I host, I co-host with Luca Vitale uh, around the waves, and it's actually today from 2 to 3. Every Wednesday from 2 to 3, we just talk sports. Uh, it's a good time, so, you know, if you just want to come by and take a listen, we appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, folks. Tune into that if you get a chance. But just so my viewers can get some ideas and opinions of you, what NBA team do you root for, and how long have you been watching the NBA? So, uh, ever since I grew up, I've always been like a New Orleans fan. I was back when they were the uh, the Hornets, and then I've always liked Chris Paul back in those days. Anthony Davis was one of my favorites. Uh, so I'd say the Pelicans is by far my favorite team. But recently, I've really liked watching the Ball Brothers play, so I'm a really big Hornets fan as well because LaMelo and Lonzo, they're just kind of like my two favorite basketball players. And I occasionally watch the Celtics because being from St. Louis, I have two signed Jason Tatum jerseys, so I do like him too. Oh, that's interesting because, yeah, I'm a big uh, Memphis Grizzlies fan growing up in Memphis, so I have a feeling our teams probably don't get along <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very much. But moving past that, so we've not discussed the All-Star game in a few months on this show, mainly because we thought it was canceled. We would have the selections, but the Indianapolis game as a whole, it was done. Not going to worry about it. But about a week ago, the NBA, the Players Association, and course turner sports who owns the broadcast rights to the game have become brainstorming if they can do an all-star game in atlanta to make a little bit extra cash so mark stein Woj, and shams all of the biggest nba reporters have been talking about the specifics of these negotiations for the past 48 hours and considering they're talking about the implementation of three-point contest a dunk contest I'd say at this point it's pretty likely the All-Star game is going to happen despite the risks, but Ryan, what are your thoughts on this situation? Do you think we're going to have the game this year? I do think they're going to have the game, but do I think they should have the game? No. I think, obviously, everyone knows COVID is still a big thing and it's out there. So you have your, you have these star players going to the All-Star game, but what if the next day when they're supposed to have a game, or I think there's a couple of breaks, uh, days off after the All-Star game, but like you know what I mean. Like If there's some star players that end up getting COVID because they had to go tr- uh, travel like a couple hours away to go play in the All-Star game, I just don't think it's worth the risk. Uh, the risk. I know that they'll probably miss a couple of games if they do get COVID, but you've already seen so many star NBA players, Jason Tatum, so many other star pl- NBA players out due to COVID. There's just, I think this year has just been in such an off year that I think it should be another. Uh, t- I think it just should just cancel the All Star game as a whole. I mean, everyone, all NBA fans like the All Star game. Everyone loves the All Star festivities, right. but it's just everything that's going on in the world right now. I think it would just be the best to just not have it. No, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think, of course, have the selections, put those on players' resumes because those will matter, like, when it comes to, like, the Hall of Fame. Like, did Steph Curry make nine All-Star games? Did he make eight? That might – it's not going to be the difference with Steph Curry. Steph Curry is going to make the Hall of Fame. But just to give an example there. And also, just in regards to COVID protocol, the example I've been using is – I'm a college kid. I would like to have, like, a spring break trip or something like that. But – It would not be advisable for me to get, like, 23 friends from all across the country and just meet up in Atlanta (laughs) for a few days. Like, that would be—the CDC would not recommend you doing that. And at least hypothetically, like, with teams playing games, there's hypothetically at least two separate bubbles there with each team. But when you're bringing in these players from different cities and different situations, sure, you might have, like, LeBron and Anthony Davis, so there's one less— I guess, different city being represented there, but you're getting players from all around the league, each with a risk of bringing COVID. And then you want to add in like the three point contest and the dunk contest. It it's looking like it's going to happen because I think if Turner sports, if TNT wants those extra dollars by having it, I have a feeling the league is going to okay it, but I could easily see this being a disaster, especially because the NBA, they've already postponed 24 games this season that's going to be a disaster if like if there is god forbid some type of covid situation 
that there there's going to be more postponements from that and that's going to be like the top of the top of the league players the best 24 guys out there and that would be bad for ratings down the road that's it's just not a good situation all around there so we're gonna have the all-star game it looks like but definitely not under ideal circumstances this year so moving moving on from that i just wanted to address that because it's been a minute since we've talked about the all-star game on the show and just the fact that coronavirus is still a big threat in our everyday lives and it's been affecting the nba a lot this season but getting into just the selections selections themselves are not as problematic because we should be honoring these players for what they've been doing so far this season so ryan in the western conference who do you have starting in the Western Conference, uh, my back front court, I have uh, two Lakers that I think have been ha- having really good uh, years, and that is LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And then joining them also in the front court, I have my main man from the New Orleans Pelicans, Brandon Ingram. I think he's had a really good year. I, I know he's one of the star players um, for the Pelicans, and obviously I have to be a little biased. Come on. Uh, and then my two guards from the West Conference, I got to go with Dame Time, Damian Lillard, who has just shown game after game. He's such a clutch performer. And then another pick who I think a lot of people might have, but a lot of people may not have because he's kind of having a down season, and that's Luka Doncic. Right. Um, I went with Luca because I still think that he's good enough to get his team to the playoffs. I think he's had, you know, it's kind of been a down year for him. But I mean, if Luca's not in the All Star game, like there's something wrong. Like he's by far one of the most talented right. young kids we see in the NBA so far. No, I agree. Like Luka Doncic, I think will definitely make the All Star team. For me, my big debate was just. The Mavericks currently find themselves at the 13th seed. Obviously, I don't think that's Luka Doncic's fault. If you look at the real plus minus, a lot of his teammates like Tim Hardaway Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, and a lot of those other main guys have not been contributing as much as they were last season. And obviously, Josh Richardson has not played as many games as one would have thought, and his impact hasn't been as much as several Mavs (laughs) people thought. I feel really bad about that prediction. I had the Mavericks coming in at the number one seed (laughs) this year, so I was a little off on that estimation. So Luka Doncic was the first guy out for me. I had Damian Lillard and Steph Curry in the backcourt because I think Steph Curry's been having a crazy season this year, averaging his best numbers since the 2016 season, back when he won unanimous MVP. And then in the front court, I kept LeBron James. Like you were saying, he's averaging incredible numbers this year. He's probably at least third in the MVP race. I think it's about the lowest you can rank him. And then differing from you on Brandon Ingram and Anthony Davis, I had Kawhi Leonard and Nikola Jokic in the front court. So Anthony Davis, if you were to ask me before the season started, I would have absolutely been like, oh, yeah, no, he's a shoe-in for the all-star starters. But his numbers this year have just regressed a little bit. He's been averaging 22 points and nine rebounds, which is still a good stat line for most NBA players. And especially when you saw what he did that playoff run, like they probably should not be trotting him out there to play like 36 minutes a game. They should probably still be resting him as well as LeBron James, like they're doing. But I just don't know if that's good enough to start in the Western conference, considering a guy like Kawhi Leonard is in the 50, 40, 90 club right now with efficiencies And then a guy like Nikola Jokic could potentially win the MVP this season. He's been averaging crazy numbers. That is true. I like all your picks, though. They all are good. Uh, The only thing with Davis is I just feel like I know that you said he's not having the best year, but I still think that he's a a lot of fan picks from L.A. are going to choose him to get in, and I think that's what's going to do it for him. That's definitely a factor. Like I was uh, debating whether to put, uh, moving to the East a little bit, I was debating whether to put Bradley Beal in my starting lineup just because of how awesome he's been this season. But I was wondering, are the fans going to vote him in? Does Bradley right. Beal have that following? I know he's another St. Louis guy, so I'm sure you're you're a fan of Bradley Beal, right? Yeah, though, no, to, to get to my East picks, actually, um, at the guard spot, I actually have Lamette. No, I'm kidding. I don't have him. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do have a, a, a guy whose record does not show how good he is. They are 4-13. and They are the last in the East. He's putting up 35 points uh, per game, and that is Bradley Beal. I do have him as a starting uh, point guard for the East alongside one of the Nets' top threes, All-Stars, Kyrie Irving. And then in the front court, of course, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
uh, my main man, Jason Tatum from the Celtics, and then another beast from the East and Kevin Durant, and that Nets team is just scary. And I think I do think that they'll have at least two starters make the East. Ooh, yeah, the, the Nets are interesting because, yeah, they have three guys who in a normal season when they're on their own teams would absolutely make the starting teams. Right. Like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, those guys are huge fan favorites. They score a ton of points. And, yeah, for me, I was debating putting Kyrie Irving or James Harden into my starting spot. I think we're think we're on the same wavelength with Giannis and with Kevin Durant. Giannis is quote having a down year, but he's still averaging I think 26 points per game, 13 rebounds. The dude is still absolutely insane. So I think you have to put Giannis and Kevin Durant in there. I went a little different with the third forward pick. I picked Joel Embiid just because of his dominant season so far and with Philadelphia being in the number 1 seed. And just how he has really taken a step up in lots of areas I didn't think we would see where he's added a very efficient mid-range shot to his game, which if, if you'd seen Joel Embiid shoot before, he's a decent shooter. He was shooting around like 34, 33% from three. He wasn't, he was obviously like a bigger threat than his teammate Ben Simmons, <laughs> but was not was not spacing the floor like someone like a Seth Curry or someone like that on his team. But I think Joel Embiid should be commended just for that increase in his skill set and for him being in those in the top three in the MVP race. Guards wise, I, we have a lot of disagreements here because I had Trey Young and Jalen Brown making it in there. I could understand potentially Jalen Brown missing it because of fan vote, but I think what he's done on that Celtics team so far has been incredible. Just seeing his progression year to year where I remember seeing that like rookie season uh, series when he was in the playoffs guarding LeBron and he just looked like a kid who was just out of uh, UC Berkeley, but now he's got an incredible off the ball dribble game. He's shooting about 50% from three. He's shooting in the forties from three now. And He's gotten his free throw percentage to a point where it's no longer you can't do hack a Jalen Brown anymore. He's shooting right. around seventy five percent. So I, I like all of these guys. It was the Eastern Conference guards are tough because I have guys like Kyrie Irving and James Harden not making it, who are both phenomenal players. Like James Harden's leading the league in assists. So the Eastern Conference guards are tough. I've got a question for you. So with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, do you think both of them will make it in maybe just off a of fan vote alone at this point? I honestly, uh, Joe, I think that Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, all three will make it. And the wow. reason I say that is just because fan voting in, right. in Brooklyn is going to be crazy. They want all three of those superstars to be there. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would say if one doesn't make it, uh, maybe that's James Harden. But I feel like James Harden has right. to be the guy because from the trade, he's just gone off with Brooklyn. He's just done as, as best as he mm -hmm. could. He's, he's scoring like over 27 points a night. But then, obviously, you have Kyrie Irving, who last night just went off for the team. But that's that's what you can see. And I'm sure we'll get to the Brooklyn Nets game a little later in the show. But he just went off. And that's the thing. Like, if James Harden's having a bad night, Durant's having a bad night, one of them's going to have a good night. Not all three are going to have a bad night. Yeah, but before we go to break, let's actually talk about that game because... It was a close game for most of it, and there was even a point where the Clippers built a five-point lead in the fourth quarter with Paul George having that uh, and one, and then Kawhi Leonard uh, stealing the ball there from Kevin Durant and getting the dunk on the fast break. But it's hard to win close games against these Brooklyn Nets because the shot-making of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant down the stretch, you just can't beat it. Like. Kevin Durant was making pull-up shots over Nick Batum down the stretch, and he was arguably maybe the third best player on that Nets team. Kyrie Irving was, of course, going off. He had a slow start in the first quarter, but he was just drilling the three ball, especially late, and these were hard shots. James Harden, of course, has that step back that you just cannot guard. I'm I'm one of those guys who's looked at this Nets team as like, okay, they're 30th in defensive rating, would be the worst all time if if it were to project to the end of the season. But I think even if they don't add any pieces, this team is still going to be hard to stop. Yeah, that's true. You know, you talk about Harden. Uh, he had 23, 11, and 14. That's his 50th career triple-double. He's eighth on the all-time list. 
Uh, Durant also added 28, and Kylie had 39. And after when I was watching that game, it just amazed me how much Irving is, just how good he is. He had three people on him outside the arc. He decided to just drive it in, get the foul with the reverse layup. And that I think that's just what helped the Nets win that game is they were basically all three of their star players were driving the ball. And if they would drive it, they'd pass it out to an open, either an open Durant or an open Harden. But what I saw was... The Clippers were giving too many open shots to the big right. three for the Nets, and that, that's just kind of really hurt them. I will. I do want to talk about the last seconds of the game. The five. I think there was five point five seconds left. Durant threw it all the way down to Jeff Green when they were doing <laughs> a full court press, and no one even got down on the other side to f- to find Jeff Green. And the hail mary pass worked because Green made an and one, and right. that's just really kind of what sealed the deal for he the. Did, he for did the miss the free throw there. So my basketball purist is just like, oh no, Jeff Green. He right. missed the. Yeah. I don't know. I have a love hate relationship relationship with Jeff Green being from Memphis. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. But, it's just you, the Clippers can't let that right. play happen. There was no one on Jeff Green all the way in the backcourt. And the Clippers, when you look at that roster, obviously they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, but they don't have enough guys to guard that Nets big three. I'm not sure if they'll meet in the – they would have to meet in the finals That's if they were fun. to meet in the postseason, but – you have obviously Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are incredible defenders. Maybe if you add Patrick Beverly, that improves, but I still don't know if that's going to be enough, just considering the fact that you have those three. And then a guy like Joe Harris is incredible for this team because he just gives them so much spacing. You can't sag off of Joe Harris. That guy's a 40% three point shooter. And we'll see what they do at the five position because I think if they were to upgrade, People have been talking players like maybe they try to acquire a guy like JaVale McGee just to get slightly better rim protection and defense. But this team is scary. And just that one thing I noticed was in this game, they had uh, James Harden running with the bench unit a lot just to kind of have him run the offense and keep it at a high level. So the reason like you'll see that they have the best offensive rating in NBA history is just the fact that even when they're running their bench guys, one of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden is always on the court and just making a problem because James Harden by himself can basically anchor a top 10 NBA offense just because of how he can set up DeAndre Jordan for lobs, how he can pass out. And of course, he's one of the best scorers in NBA history. So this Nets team is, I I personally, I, I was skeptical of how this offense would work, especially just with having such a bad defense, but they were able to pull it out last night against a good defensive team in the Clippers. And let's not forget, they've the Clippers have been hot this season. They were 10-1 and one going into this game since January. So may, maybe this Nets team can get it done in the postseason. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, folks, we're going to go to break. Thank you so much for listening to No Filler with Joe Miller so far. Stay tuned. When we return, we'll talk about the other games last night as well as our picks for best in the conference. Stay tuned, folks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to No Filler with Joe Miller. I'm joined here by Ryan Walterman. So we were just talking about this over break. Just just to get your input on this, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Lonzo Ball situation right now in New Orleans? Because there's rumors circulating around that obviously the extension wasn't done this past offseason. So supposedly there's a lot of teams potentially trying to acquire Lonzo Ball before the trade deadline. Well, we all know Lonzo Ball is basically a point guard floor magnet wizard. He can find players on the floor with his eyes closed. It's just amazing what he can do. Uh, as as him and being my favorite player, um, obviously I like the Pelicans. I've kind of grew up with that team. I, and just to see him go there was really exciting. Um, but I do think that he does potentially fit better on a different team, per se. Right. Um, I think the Pelicans are just kind of outshined by Zion and uh, Brandon Ingram and even uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is starting to find his way in there as well as Josh Hart. Um, I still think Stan Van Gundy is giving Lonzo his minutes. He had 27 against the Bucks and uh, only 7 against the Rockets, but he's really starting to find his explosive play. I like to call it his UCLA Lonzo days <laughs> because he's being more aggressive. He put up 14 against the Kings Monday. And uh, tonight against the Suns, um, I'm going to make a prediction that he puts up about 15. I think he, he's kind of in that 12-15 range. 
Right. Um, but uh, to just to ask you a question, I, I do think he would be better on a different team. Uh, I do love him on the Pelicans as much as it's going to hurt me because I'm, wherever he goes, I go. So I'm going to have to buy a new jersey, of course. And that's, <laughs> that's something I really don't want to do. But, uh, you know, you talk about last game. We play the Suns tonight. Uh, and the Pelicans, last time against the Suns on national TV, I should say, lost 111-86. to 86. So they've come, I would say they've come a long way from that, but they really have not come a long way. They're still not the best team. Um, but if I'm being honest, I, I would like him to get traded to a playoff contender because right. I think Lonzo deserves to go to the playoffs. A lot of people say he's not a good player, but I still think he is one of, if you put him on a team, he's going to be one of your top five players. I think that's just how it's been. He's growing up playing basketball. Um, I will say I think Lamelo's gonna have a better career than him, but that's probably for a later later day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like him on the Pelicans, but it's just I think he could have a better fit with a, maybe a younger team or something because I think right. really do think Zion and Ingram kind of sh- uh, kind of share that spotlight, and he's a starter. The only thing that would worry me is if he does get traded, will he be a starter on a different team? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is honestly still to be unknown because he'd have to show what he can do in practice. They're not just going to put him on the starting squad right away. Unless it's a team. I know the Kings. The Kings have been looking at Lonzo for a long time. And I know that there's a lot of rumors that that might be the team he goes to. And, man, him with Fox and Heald, I think that would be really good. You have two top draft picks on the same team. I would love to see him go to Sacramento Kings. Yeah, and hypothetically, uh, especially, like, when you look at this Pelicans team, the the spacing is a bit of a concern because you have Zion at the four and then Steven Adams at the five. And when you have Alonzo Ball out there, I haven't seen as many New Orleans games as I probably should, but Alonzo Ball is not an ideal pick-and-roll guy just because the shooting is a bit of a struggle still, and then he's not the best at-rim finisher kind of guy, but Alonzo Ball is still, like you said, incredible court vision. He's a great rebounder. He's a good defender. And he's a good NBA player as a whole. I think just because he's not an all-star right now and because he's not living up to those UCLA highlight tapes, people are a little disappointed with him. But I love Lonzo Ball as a player. He's fun to watch. He's he's always prone to make a few highlight plays in a game, like if you watch him close enough. But also just want to remind folks that Ryan is wearing a Lonzo Ball jersey (laughs) (laughs) in studio right now. So... I, I had to ask him the question about the Lonzo Ball trade rumors. Yeah, I know. It's a great question. You know, it's something that's kind of scattered around the whole entire, um, I would say, NBA association right now. There's, a, I think, about four or five teams that are kind of in a mix for a trade. But the only thing I have to ask you now is if he keeps playing this aggressiveness, do you think the Pelicans are going to back out of that trade and just keep him? I think it's possible. I just think it's going to depend on how much money he demands in free agency. Right. From my understanding, it is it's still going to be restricted. I think this season, so the Pelicans, I think, will still have that match opportunity. But if we're getting into like the three years, sixty million range, or upwards of like fifteen million a year, I think the Pelicans might start questioning a little bit, just because obviously Zion's going to his extension's going to kick in eventually, and then Brandon Ingram's extension is already (laughs) already upon this team. So. From a cap situation, it's going to depend on that market. I, I'm, I'm leaning for those reasons. I think I'm leaning towards New Orleans is probably going to try to find a trade. I think JJ Redick on that team is more likely to get traded just because of his age and maybe he has a little bit more, I guess, playoff pedigree for like a playoff team if they need more shooting. But if there's issues just negotiating the contract, I could see Lonzo Ball being parted with before the trade deadline for sure. Yeah, and I just want to add to that J.J. Redick. He's been absolute garbage this year, <laughs> so if they could just trade him now, that, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, just to, uh, just to finish off this segment, uh, I think the team that I would like him to go to is the Sacramento Kings. I think he would play really well with the Aaron Fox. No, I think that would be a... Would you want to get like a Tyrese Halliburton out of that or something? Yeah, that could be that could be something <laughs> to look into. I always I always have to ask people questions about their their teams. Whenever uh, my friend Lucas comes in here, he's a big Warriors fan, okay. so I always try to stir the pot with him about the there you go. <laughs> the sure. Warriors. Yes. So had to talk about that. But Ryan, I have a new show segment for us. That the, this is going to be the debut of this segment. So. I'm going to call this game the best of three. So here's how it goes, Ryan. I'm going to give you three choices, and then you have to pick one of these, one of the three choices I give you, and then we'll discuss. So 
first question I have is, in the Western Conference, there's three teams currently in that close race for the number one seed. So the Jazz are currently at the one seed. The Clippers and the Lakers are a half game back. Which of those three teams do you think is your favorite to win the Western Conference? Man, that that's a good question. I really like the obviously you have the Los Angeles teams, you got the Clippers, Lakers. I think the Jazz are on a different dimension this year in the NBA. I don't know what has happened. It's Rudy Gobert. I don't know if it's uh, the other star player on that team. Um, for, I forgot his name. Mike Hell, Conley? No, Me- yeah, Memphis right. legend? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I Donovan think Mitchell. Yeah, that's him. Okay. I, I honestly, if I have to pick in the West, like it's going to be a shock. It's really going to be a shock, but I really think that the Utah Jazz can going to be able to pull this off. Um. They have just been playing out of their mind lately. I don't know what's going on with them. Um, so right now, currently, they're 16-5. and five. Obviously, Clippers 16-6, and six, same as the Lakers. It's really going to depend on which team's going to stay healthy and stay hot throughout right. the rest of the season. And it's just kind of... I would say a lot of people are going to say it's a toss-up. I think a lot of people, though, would have to put the Lakers in there, obviously, because they won last year. Uh, they won the division last year, won the conference last year, I should say. Um, but if I'm being honest, last year on the sh- uh, last semester on the show, I had a question that said, which team's going to dethrone the Lakers in this conference? I said the Clippers. And the way the Clippers right. played last night, it could happen. But the Jazz have just been playing so mm-hmm. well. They just destroyed the Mavericks in back-to-back games. And that, right. it, it wasn't even close. And I just think that the Jazz... I don't know when they do play the Lakers or Clippers next, but uh, you know I think that they have what it takes to just win this conference. I think they've been playing really well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, like I said, Rudy Gobert. So it looks like February 24th, a 9 o'clock game, uh, the Lakers will face the Jazz. It'll be a home game for the Jazz, not that it really matters. Um, but I think that game will be a big decision. We'll see uh, which team can go toe-to-toe. If they can stay toe-to-toe, if it's a blowout, then I think that will say a lot too. But my pick here, Joe, I think it's going to have to be the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz? Okay. So, yeah, everyone circle that date on your calendar, February 24th, the Lakers-Jazz. we got to watch that game. (laughs) And February 17th, I should mention, uh, they play the Clippers. The Clippers have the home game. That's also a 9 o'clock game. Oh, so we get two of those top games, like, within a week. That'll be nice. Yes. So, yeah, the Utah Jazz, definitely not a bad pick. These three teams, fun fact, are actually the top three teams in net rating. The Clippers, of course, have the number one net rating in the NBA. The Lakers are second. The Jazz are third. But... The Jazz are top 10 in almost every category in the NBA right now. Let's talk about their three-point percentage because this has been insane for the Utah Jazz. So several players, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, and Royce O'Neal are all shooting career highs from three this year. And then you still have guys like Mike Conley who's shooting 40.7 from three. Boyan Bogdanovich, who's shooting 39.7 from three. That's six guys who are all shooting above 38% from three on this team. They're the first in the league in attempts, and they're third in percentage. So they're shooting a lot of threes, and they're making a crazy percentage of them. Surprisingly, they're, they're 25th in pace, so they're not necessarily playing a fast game. But it's just been ridiculous to watch the, this team because you'll see they'll, they'll lead like the Mavericks are – despite their record, are still a decent team, and they're still hard to beat. But they beat them by 20, like, two nights in a row. And it was ridiculous because you have guys like Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley who contribute on the offensive end. And I really think Mike Conley has gotten more acclimated there because last season there was a lot of talk of, oh, my gosh, Mike Conley is washed, guys. He can't can't play. But several uh, uh, analysts like uh, John Hollinger at The Athletic have pointed this out where – Mike Conley playing with a big guy like Rudy Gobert is a bit of an adjustment, especially when he's been playing with more of a sport, uh, floor spacing big in Mark Gasol for most of his career. So just learning how to navigate that system, I think, has been an adjustment. But you've really seen that Conley has gotten used to the Utah setting, and he could be an all-star for the first time in his career, as crazy as that might sound. I was rooting for this guy to be an all-star for a long time in Memphis. So if he gets the nod, that'll be a... That'll be a good day because he's been considered for a while to be the best player in the NBA who hasn't made the team. Going back to the question after that <laughs> five-minute tangent on the Utah Jazz, of course. I think I'm still going to pick the Lakers in the playoffs just because this is a deep te- team, and LeBron and Anthony Davis haven't even really, I don't want to say given a full effort, but they haven't been playing a lot of minutes so far this season. Like LeBron is still averaging... 33 minutes per game, which even if you go back to his rookie season, this is the lowest amount of minutes LeBron has been playing per game. And he's still 
breaking records for his career. He's averaging 41% from three, which if the season stopped today would be his career high. And he's doing this on a lot of attempts. He's really trusting that three ball right now. Anthony Davis's numbers have been a little bit lower. It's been the lowest points and rebounds he's had since 2014. But this team is still half a game back from the number one seed in the Western Conference. They're first in defensive rating. They're eighth in offensive rating. And I don't think they've necessarily put their foot all the way down on the gas yet. So I think the Jazz are definitely hot right now. They've been they've been crazy to start this year, but I still would probably pick the Lakers to win the West as of right now. And I mean, obviously, that's a brilliant choice. I think a lot of people would go with that, especially because this is the honestly, this is like the first year the Jazz have actually been good, like really good. <laughs> so I think a lot of people would be skeptical about how long they can keep this up for. So no, I agree. Like especially when you're challenging a LeBron James team, people always ask that team like. Ah, is this just kind of fluky? Uh, LeBron doesn't care about the regular season. Does it really matter? (laughs) I remember uh, back in the East, people would always talk about that, like with Toronto teams or like with the Celtics led by Isaiah Thomas, people would be like, eh, does the regular season really matter? These teams legit, but I guess we'll see. I mean, this Jazz team is fifth in offensive rating, sixth in defensive rating, so they're they're good on both ends. I think they have a decent shot. The Clippers, that have not gotten a lot of love in this conversation. Right. It's how much of that is based off that loss last night? Would you say? I don't know. I think they played really well against the Nets, but I think it's just their defense really hurts them. Right. I don't know. It's it's. I think, like you said, when I watched the game, it was basically close the whole entire time. The fourth quarter, they kind of just collapsed a little bit, and that's right. kind of what hurt them. So I think it's. They have to be a good team all four quarters. And I think the fourth quarter really hurt them, especially against the Nets. You kind of have to play really good. And I think the other thing is, if you're only having guys like Kawhi and Paul George really contribute to the team, that, that's going to hurt you out. It's going to really hurt you too. No, absolutely. And w- one thing I wrote down in my notes when I was watching that Brooklyn game last night was the Clippers cannot hold on to leads usually in any of these games. Like obviously the Denver series last year, we saw that <laughs> yeah. like three times in a row where they built – 15 20 point leads and then blew them in the second half but also the clippers really had their best stretch of the game when the nets were missing everything at the beginning of the first quarter where they were starting to lead by 10 12 but as soon as the nets really started firing and it is hard to contain that team (laughs) (laughs) the nets i mean it is a hard job to do that but i am concerned about the clippers defense stopping either whether it's the nets in the finals or even a team like the Lakers, where Serge Ibaka is good and he's a nice, like, switchable big, even at this age. But if you have him against Anthony Davis in a playoff series, I don't think that's going to work out well. Yeah, that's <laughs> the Clippers. a big mismatch. And obviously the Clippers have been, like, pegged as sort of the uh, the perfect mismatch for the Lakers, obviously, because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could both be guarding LeBron James, hypothetically, for a whole game and make life hard for him, but... I just don't know if that defense is going to be enough to stop any of these matchups. I think you need to have maybe they trade for Derrick Rose at the trade deadline just to get someone who can create at the point guard position because that's one of their big weaknesses where we saw obviously Reggie Jackson last night had several um, sort of like facepalm moments. The one I'm thinking of right now is when he tried to throw the ball off of DeAndre Jordan's legs and DeAndre Jordan just caught the ball. <laughs> yeah, that, it didn't work out as planned, did it, Reggie? Yeah, R- Reggie Jackson. I, I feel bad for him because of all the injuries he's had, but sometimes when I watch Reggie Jackson play, I'm just like, Reggie, come on, why are you doing this? Like, wh- wh- why are you throwing the ball? DeAndre Jordan's like an old man, and he's still catching the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, the Clippers are still a good team, and they're a threat, but... Out of these three, I think they're probably the one I'm the least concerned about right now. Maybe the Jazz cool off. Who knows? But we'll see what happens there. Going to the Eastern Conference, there's a similar dynamic going on between the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks, where these three have pretty clearly solidified themselves as the top three teams of the conference. Obviously, you got the Pacers and the Celtics sort of knocking on the door, but they still have some things to work out. So... Out of those three teams, with the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks, which one would you be picking right now to make it out? It's definitely not going to be the Bucks. <laughs> Giannis loses back-to-back nights to the Ball Brothers. That's man, I don't. Oh come on! And he had his chance to get out of there in the offseason, and what does he do? But we sign with them, and the Bucks is just—they're not really 
using that franchise to work around Giannis, I don't think. And it's just kind of why they can't even reach the third round. It's just, it's it's bad. And I like I said, Giannis had his chance to get out of there. And I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think the Celtics are going to pass them up in the end of this, at the end of the season. I, I think that the Tatum and, like you said, Brown's having a career year. Right. I think they're just better. Uh, the Bucks really have no one besides Giannis. Um, obviously, Chris Middleton can help out, but I just want to get back to the two other main teams you said, and that's the, six, the Sixers and the Nets. And I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say the Nets, is it's a championship or bust season. It's, that's right. what it is. You have three star players, and it's just you have to I, I would say the Nets have to win the conference you have Durant putting up 30 points per game you have Irving putting up 28 and Harden putting up 24 right and you have Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and James Harden in your starting lineup it, it, I don't know what team could possibly choke that like that's this has to be the Nets conference to lose like I don't see why unless they play the Sixers at home because for some reason the Sixers are 10 <laughs> and 1 at home this year I don't understand. Maybe it's because they're not allowing fans. Maybe the Sixers just play better without fans. I, I don't know what that is. No, the Sixers, we haven't talked about them. They have the best record currently in the Eastern Conference, and they have really impressed me this year. I'd probably pick them out of these three just because I think they have the balance of defense and offense. And Tobias Harris has really shown he's still not worth $40 million, but right. he's at least semi in that range now with how he's been playing. He could maybe make the all-star team this season. And we saw he hit that game winner against the Lakers at home the other uh, the other week. The Sixers did almost blow a 12-point lead, though, in three minutes, so I can't give too much credit. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the Sixers out of these three teams, if I were to pick. And I also like some of their periphery pieces with, obviously, Shake Milton off the bench has been great for that team. Seth Curry fits much better than Josh Richardson did here. And... Then guys like Matisse Thibel, I also like. He's still kind of a project, especially in terms of shooting the ball, but just defensively, he's incredible. If you watch Matisse Thibel defensive highlights, he gets all the deflections. He's in people's faces. Matisse Thibel, is, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tony Allen uh, back in the Memphis Grizzlies days where he would just get in people's faces. He'd just be a all-around defender, and you might not want him shooting the ball. <laughs> but I like Matisse just out there on the court. And... The Nets, I might challenge a little bit. I think th they're sort of in a situation the Clippers were in last year where obviously everyone wants to win the title, but I think their window is for sure this year and next year, just given the contract situation with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden all for sure being under contract this season and then next season. And then obviously guys like uh, James Harden could potentially opt out. We'll see if he actually does that. I'm probably leaning towards he won't as of right now, but it's the NBA. Everything could change tomorrow. <laughs> right, that is very true. And with these three teams, going back to that Bucks thing, I, I, I don't know what to make of the Milwaukee Bucks just with the situation with Giannis because hypothetically they've got four all-NBA defensive guys on the floor with Brooke Lopez, with Giannis, with Chris Middleton, and then obviously Drew Holiday. But... I'm just concerned about this team because especially like when you watch some of these games, they'll let Giannis face up late in games. He'll come up to the three-point line, and teams will guard him like he's Julia Loca for. <laughs> like, they just won't even put a man out there. And I, I like you can blame Giannis for not having a shot, but the guy six eleven has crazy long arms, like. You can't really expect guys, unless you're Kevin Durant, of course, but yeah. usually guys with crazy wingspans who are dominant in the paint don't shoot 40% from three. That's just the reality. And I just don't know. I, I, I would tend to lean towards Mike Budenholzer needs to do something, maybe have him be more of a five late in games and maybe do pick and roll with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday to try to get him involved that way. But I don't know if Giannis as a ball carrier late in those situations is ideal, especially when he can't hit the jump shots. Yeah, and I know I I I like how you bring up Giannis here. Like I'm not trying to be biased, but I will go back to the Pelicans game where the Pelicans were leading the Bucks by 29, mm -hmm. and Giannis single-handedly brought the Bucks back in that game. Right, and I do believe that it was a five or six final of in a point differential affair there, but that's just what Giannis can do. He's a big man, like you said, and. 
although he's not going to shoot point, he's not going to shoot that much. He can drive, and right. mainly when he drives, he gets fouled, and the ball goes <laughs> in the bucket all the time. It's just how it happens. I got to say, the free throw shot though is a little concerning oh, with man, Giannis he this made season. That air ball, oh man, that's. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. He needs to get in the gym and work on that or something. I. I don't know, but. Uh, I like your pick here with the Sixers. I just honestly think, and I think a lot of NBA fans would also think, it's the Nets' confidence to lose. That team is too right. good. But I've obviously, 76 has been playing really well. Joel Embiid, 28 points uh, per game. Tobias Harris, like you said, he's putting up 20 points per game. Obviously, could still make that All-Star game. He's right. has quite one of, I would say, maybe his best year so far. I mean, he's, that's just because the 76ers team is just coming together really well this year. But like I said, I just don't know. If it came to a seven-game series, could the Sixers beat the Nets? And I, I just don't think they could. I think the Nets right. have too many clutch players there. I think the question is ultimately with the Nets, wh- what, what changes do they make with this team from now to uh, when buyouts happen? Because... If they could maybe get a decent defensive center who can maybe at least... Because right now, they're on track for 30th in defensive rating since they made the James Harden trade. If they can just get a guy who can get them up to maybe, like, the 22nd worst defense. Or at least not, like, on pace for the worst defensive rating of all time. I would totally agree with you. It's just, as of right now, if I were to pick, I would probably pick the Sixers just because I think they're a threat on offense with all of those shooters. And then with guys like Tobias Harris, who have been going off and then obviously Joel Embiid, who we haven't talked about enough, but the, the nets, I think still need something defensively. I, I'm just curious to see how that team is going to work in the postseason Cause we just saw against the Clippers, which are hypothetically a great defensive team just got crushed by Brooklyn who I wrote this down in my notes in that game. It felt like Brooklyn just off of misses alone. Like they don't necessarily need stops. They just need the other team to miss a few times. Yeah. And it's tough because obviously like when you usually have a team like this that has a great offense, but a horrible defense. Like I remember watching a lot of those like Mike D'Antoni Rockets teams where they would have incredible regular seasons, but then if they go up against a team that has both like a decent offense and a decent defense, it might not translate as well. This is a unique situation. We haven't seen anything like this before. So I could see, I could definitely see the nets, but I think it's between those two. What what do you think the bucks do moving forward here? I think that they have to go out and get someone who's going to help out Giannis because right now the only guy that's potentially really helping out Giannis is Chris Middleton. And I think they just need more three-point shooters. I, right. You know, Drew Holiday really hurts as being a Pelicans fan, but I, <laughs> I honestly think we've got the better deal. I think Bledsoe has had a really good season with the Pelicans. Um, but I just think they need more three-point shooting threats. Um, Giannis is going to get it done for you in the paint, obviously, but... Not that many people on that team. I mean, you have Della Vadova still on that team, I believe. I mean, he's, like, right now, like, one of the hottest three-point shooters. Uh, like, I wrote like, down in my notes, like, Bobby Portis might be their fourth or fifth best shooter on right, the team. That's and, the thing. Like, they need right. to go out and – I mean, I don't know if they do anything by the trade deadline, but they need to get someone that's going to help them out because right now I think it's just a Giannis is a one-man wrecking crew. And besides Chris Middleton and, like you said, Bobby Portis, there's not really much on that team anymore. Yeah, the reason I come back to, I think, Mike Budenholzer being the problem here is we see it seems to be a similar plan. It just seems like they've plugged in Drew Holiday in the Eric Bledsoe spot now, but it's a similar plan of have a deep team and then have Giannis run to the rim, which you can't stop during the regular yeah, season. No, you, just, you cannot stop Giannis going to the rim. That man can take two steps from the three-point line and dunk on you. Right, yeah, that's... <laughs> so... I, I just don't know what Milwaukee can do ultimately because they have to they have a good defense. It needs to be a little bit better. They're around 17th right now, but it, there's not that much of a gap between them and the 10th team. But they still have the number one offense as of right now. But in the in the postseason, we've seen two years in a row now where that offensive rating plummets in the postseason. Like when teams build the wall around Giannis, it's. I, I want Giannis to win, win in Milwaukee. I think that would be a cool storyline, but it just hasn't gotten close to happening yet, which is disappointing. But he'll be there for five more years, so I guess we'll, <laughs> Something we'll see how happen. it works, right? <laughs> so the next pick three I want to give you here. So 
I did not know you were a Pelicans fan before writing this one. So this one is the biggest disappointment oh, in the NBA you. so far. The Washington Wizards, the Dallas Mavericks, or the New Orleans Pelicans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a question. Um, so after last year, I really thought Pelicans were going to have a good year this year, and we all know that's not happening. They're not, you know, the win against the Bucs is probably the biggest win that they're going to have this year. It's, right. I see us getting about 35 blown out by the Suns again tonight. And thank you, NBA, for playing that on national television, <laughs> by the way. I, I can't wait to watch that. Um, but, I mean, it's a tough one. I think the Wizards might have to be my choice here because you get a guy like Russell Westbrook that comes to you, and honestly, right. I have heard no, no news on Russell Westbrook. And he was by far the, one of the best players in Oklahoma, probably the best player on the Thunder. And now it's just the Bradley Beal show. And right. that's... That's the sad thing because he's doing all he can do and the team's still 4-13. and And you would think that a guy like Beal, especially having the year he's having right now, and if Russell Westbrook get back to his MVP self, that team would be really good. But, right. man, it's, I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know what it is, but that team has just not shown up to par at all right. this year. They have just been god-awful, really. And it's, it's I hate to see it because you just see back-to-back nights with Bradley Beal is just sitting on the bench with his head held low because he can't do anything. Like, he does everything he can. He had 62 right. points one night, and they lost. Like, how would you feel if you scored 62 points and your exactly. team still no. loses? It's crazy just how many pictures I've seen of Bradley Beal. He's got his hands in his face. Like, he scored 40, and the team is down by 20. And part of it, like you're saying, is COVID because lots of these guys have been out. And to be honest, like, if you look at this roster, even healthy, obviously, like, Thomas Bryant got hurt. But... Thomas Bryant was this team's starting center. No one knows who Thomas Bryant is. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have guys like Isaac Bonga in the starting lineup and Denny Avdia, who I think has a chance to be a decent uh, player in the NBA, but he's a rookie starting. Like, this team didn't have much depth to begin with. I had them coming in around the ninth seed when I was making my predictions for those reasons, but this team has just not been in a lot of games. They've just been getting blown out, like, left and right, like, this team just loses in pretty embarrassing fashions. It's not like they lose close games. Usually they lose like 20 point margins, 15 point margins. And when you look at a wizard's box score, it's not good no, <laughs> 90% of the time. And I don't really know what the wizards can do at this point. I know Bradley Beal has said he doesn't want to trade, but I think it might be in their best interest just to kind of blow it up and, because they're not very good right now. Like, are they just going to keep running this back? I mean, that what what do they have to run back? It's Bradley Beal. It's Russell Westbrook, who people probably saw for the first time against that Brooklyn game when he hit that three to clinch the game. But Russell Westbrook has not been playing at that all-star level we're used to seeing him at. And the, the Wizards are definitely disappointed. I, I could spend hours talking about how that team is disappointing. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it... And if I can give your audience a good laugh here, um, before the season started, I had the Wizards finishing at the fourth seed. Ooh, yeah, so ooh. Uh, it's it's not unless they somehow just get like you know maybe like Giannis. And, no, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Beal for Giannis. Yeah, wow. it's just. I mean, Beal. I I like how he doesn't want the trade. I like how he's he wants to be the right. home guy. He wants to stay in his team he wants to be the leader there but he needs to get out that that team's not going anywhere soon yeah. and i mean i really feel bad for him but i think i feel worse for russell westbrook him going there in the offseason and then him thinking that oh uh, bradley beal you know this team's gonna be good and now they're 4-13 right it's just both of those two guys i i feel so bad for them because there's there's used to being the mvp on the team bradley beal was kind of shined behind john wall for a little bit right. and then john wall went down obviously he's doing really good again as we saw what happened yep. um but, man, you just have Bradley Beal scoring 35 a game, and Russell Westbrook's leading that 20, but, I mean, he should be more of that 26. I think Russell right. Westbrook could be more of that 30 points per game guy. And if I think if Westbrook starts scoring more points per game, I think this team potentially is going to win more you know, win more games. But it's just not looking good for the Wizards right now, and that, that has to be the biggest disappointment this <sighs> no, year. No, definitely. And, yeah, but you, you have to almost wonder, is that Russell Westbrook still there, like that 2016-2017 version of himself? Because... We did see flashes of that in Houston last season when they started that small ball experiment, and he had that month stretch where he was averaging some of the best efficiency we'd ever seen. But as of right now, he just doesn't look like that. And maybe it'll get better over the course of the season, but 
they're already at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I just don't know how they can climb their way out at this point, especially when you have other teams like Toronto and Miami who are starting to kind of get their rhythm back and starting to maybe try to knock the door on getting in, into that ninth, 10th, 8th seed. I, I just don't think there's room anymore for Washington to slide back up there, and that's kind of kind of disappointing. Like, I could even see the Mavericks potentially turning it around if Kristaps Porzingis starts contributing anything. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> on um, the court, but... Uh, Joe, I do know this is your show. I was just curious if you didn't mind these last six minutes. Could we talk about the Hornets by chance? <laughs> um, only be, Mainly because they're going up against the sure. 76ers tonight. And the Hornets have been playing really good basketball no, as of late. What do you think about uh, Gordon Hayward and his stretch? Because I've seen he's been averaging crazy numbers. Oh so yeah, far. Gordon Hayward has. I've probably watched every Hornets game this year, um, and Gordon Hayward has just been such electrifying. It's right. really nice to have him on the team. Um, obviously, he's a starter, obviously, but when he's not on the floor, I mean, you have guys like Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward. Um, uh, Malik Monk is finally showing what he can do. Right. Uh, Devontae Graham is who I was trying to say, not Gordon Hayward. <laughs> but, yeah, give back your question. Gordon Hayward has been a spark for us, uh, and he's just been really, really, really good to have on the team. Yeah. Uh, they've won their last three. They beat the Pacers, uh, they beat the Bucks, and they beat the Heat. So tonight at 6 o'clock, they do face the 76ers. Um, I think LaMelo will probably get his second start uh-huh. only because Rogier and I know PJ um, Washington is now out as well. So I think LaMelo would have to be one of the starting guys. But That's going to be his first start, isn't it? No, yes. Uh, against the Heat was his first start. Okay, so this yeah. will be his second start. This will be his okay. second start. And, man, it's just amazing what he can do. Off oh, definitely. Bench. And it's just... I, I don't even think it's just me and you when I say this, but he's playing like he's not a rookie. He's playing like right. he's been in the league before. His confidence is so good. And it's just, you can see what he can do. His team mm-hmm. will be down by 20. They'll put him in, they'll be down by 12. He can, right. he's an assist god, really. He's just, <laughs> him and um, uh, that other rookie that they have, Miles Bridges. Those two right. get along so well. And it's just, anytime Lamelo throws the ball up, it's like Miles Bridges is just catching it. I don't know how tall PJ Miles Washington's is, but, also gotten there to get some of those highlights from Lamelo, yes, too. P- yeah, yeah. Lamelo's basically just giving everyone on, <laughs> putting everyone on the highlight reel, but... Uh, back to Hayward, like, if the team is in a desperate need of a three, he's always that clutch right. guy we go to. Um, but, yeah, I just really wanted to talk about this only because they play the Sixers tonight. And no, just... definitely. No, the Hornets have been very surprising. People should look at, especially just, yeah, like, guys like LaMelo Ball, even Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, who I was kind of getting concerned about right. <laughs> development-wise, yeah, no, yeah. have really, really shown out. So, yeah, people should check out that game tonight. Folks, we have to go. Uh, it's getting close to the bottom of the hour here, but thank you so much for listening to the show. Ryan, where can people listen to your show? Listen to our show right here on 88.1 today from 2 to 3 around the waves. You don't want to miss it. Sounds good. Ryan, thank you for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to KCOU Sports FM 88.1.